episode 44. Uh, yeah, the what brought up this idea of uh, answering uh, for America or being a representative for America or giving an idea on America or USA, the USA, uh, came about uh, a number of different ways. Um, where it was my own learning uh, from a couple of situations that happened. And along with it being uh, close to my uh, citizenship, you know, the, the grandiose meeting with the eagles flying in the room and tears of joy and flags draped around our back, you know, the, the official ceremony is upcoming. It's probably, uh, I, would, I would assume, maybe a year away. Uh, and if not, you know, I'm patient for uh, that time where I can vote and carry and, uh, you know, be put in jail and not be sent back to Canada. Um, where my, um, I have a uneasy, I have this uneasiness uh, of my position, my position of being a person who has uh, flown from Canada to the U.S. and living in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, you know, and uh, whether I like it or not, uh, this this is the, the pathway. This is the, the future, and this is the road that I'm on to becoming an American citizen. And so when you – it doesn't happen to everyone, but for me personally, it uh, it is highlighted, as I've mentioned numerous times before, you know, this uh, – the importance of uh, civility and uh, and what the definitions are of liberty and freedom, um, etc., are a little bit more apparent to me. Uh, it doesn't mean it is to everyone who is in my position or moved. It was a little more apparent to me as I crossed borders and came to this country. And um, I have an unease, really, around how uh, people who are not in America uh, talk about America. And those who are not in America and the USA, uh, what they don't know about the USA. And so uh, I may be of very few individuals who are willing to, you know, indirectly, but directly answer some questions. And they may not be the right answers that either you're looking for or that are right. I'll say that from the outset. But, you know, a lot of people can look from the outside, you know, looking into the United States and say this and that. And um, I'm just here to tell you that uh, you need to question if that you could be possibly wrong on that, on your perceptions. And my journey from Canada to America has made that really apparent. Uh, and so currently I have this, uh, what I'm just, just describing as an unease around not only how others view and treat America who are on the outside, but of course also on the inside. And I'll explain that, I guess, in, in different ways. But also, uh, my daughter went to Europe and traveled. And prior to that, her um, her grandparents had sent her, you know, two Canadian flags to put on her bag. Now, for those who know, it's what I actually did, too. Uh, I didn't know it was actually a thing, but I, uh, I did some schooling in north of London, England, um, in Harlow. Um, during my university and uh we did travel around to different parts of europe and i had to have i didn't have to have 
I chose to because it was a conversation at the point in time in my young mind that we should have a Canadian flag on. Why? Because uh, Europeans hate Americans. This was the this was the this was the tone, whether it was true or not. I mean, that was the case, you know. And so, still to this day, it's 2023, and my daughter travels to Europe, and my um, her grandparents are sending her flags, and their answer is, as she asked them, she's like, because people view uh, Canadians as being friendly and kind um, when you're traveling abroad, uh, and that I that made me feel uneasy. And I did not, uh, you know, I didn't do anything about it. I just, it was a big noticing for me. Um, I'm not going to lie, you know, Hannah and I did have some conversation around that. And it was a good one because we did talk about the perception of America. um, And uh, the the time and effort that people don't give this country for the readings, you know, not only in the foundations, but the truth behind the stories that people talk about. You know, um, you know, you, you can't only listen to a historian or a or an originalist um, discuss things that you agree with. You also have to, you know, listen to stories that you disagree with. You know, I talked about that before in uh, Howard Zinn's ver- version of America versus uh, uh, the Land of Hope in that version of America. Um, in different readings, now there's other different ways you can go about that, but you know. So that was one of the one of the secondary thing uh, that kind of made me. And then I had a conversation a while back with uh, her tennis coach, Alex, who is uh, from Western France, and uh, he's been living in America for I think a couple of decades now. Anyways, we had a conversation on uh, uh, unions and uh, democracy and government and Macron and. Um, you know, the the union issues and, and the things that are happening, uh, not only with union issues, but right now with regards to the age change. Um, and as I'm speaking to him, I'm trying to become educated, right? And I'm, and I'm, uh, I'm making some, I'm making some, some statements or I'm, I'm saying, so is this actually what's going on? And I'm surprised to, to see, you know, in his wonderful, still holding on to that European French accent, which I just find so beautiful, by the way, which is very different from those who know Canadian French. It's just it's just different, you know, and neither of them are, are more beautiful than the other. I'm just saying that it's just so beautiful. He's like, no, James, 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 that's not, that's not how it is. And so my, so of course, well, my movement is, initially I was like, well, what, you know, so he gives me this 700, 800 page booklet on Napoleon that I still have to tackle. Um, which is not, of course, going to answer all those questions, but you see my point is that uh, he at least, by, this by Andrew Roberts, by the way, but he at least gave me something to, to chew on with regards to uh, all the stories and effort that goes into answering the questions, you know, on the Yellow Jackets and unions and, you know, you got you to gotta know a lot about it. My whole point being is that I have absolutely no right to make a statement of what I perceive to be happening in France. I have absolutely no right. And so if I'm on the outside looking in, I would really appreciate, which I'm going to attempt to do today for anyone who gives a shit, um, again, recognizing that I may be completely wrong, but just giving you an idea. You know, if you're on the outside looking in, I would hesitate before you want to make any claim of you knowing anything about what's happening in America. 
until you actually talk to people that are in it. Um, now, who are the people that you should be talking to in it? Um, it's not Hollywood. It's not pro sports. It's not media. It's not academia. It's not government. Okay. Uh, you know, our, some of our founding documents and the things that we came up with, there's a reason why it started with we, comma, the people. Because that designation of we spoke about this, you know, uh, alignment with the, the power inside of the country is formed from the people. This, you know, uh, especially uncomfort, discomfort in a lot of people's ideas today of having the smallest form of government and government being just representatives to kind of allow things to move forward inside of our country. But it's the people um, that came first. And we have a lot of guardrails uh, on anyone else gaining power in that. Um, and that's why we have a constitution. And that's why we, you know, as I'll discuss with regards to gun problems or perception of gun problems, uh, why those things, whether you like it or not, they're there. And they're there for that reason. Um, so that's what sparked it, you know. And so I just thought of coming up with or, you know, if, if I was thinking, you know, I'm a person who's going to be patient, who is not an American, who's on the outside, who just for shits and giggles does have some questions where they're like, you know, I wonder, and I had, I, you know, I, this is what I did appreciate about speaking to different people around the world in the OPEX gyms, right? Because um, I'll take one example um, of speaking to uh, a gentleman in Finland, you know, of us, you know, us having expectations of, you know, um, whatever your preconceived notions are. You know, there could be some people on that call who are in their late 30s, or early 40s, who, who probably still think that there's some deeper connections to this, this uh, uh, you know, cold northern atmosphere, you know. And all they maybe hear is just this, you know, these Gallup studies on happiness and education. Um, but you see what I'm saying? That's the only... So imagine if there's also a number of smearing tactics that come from different areas, you know, uh, for that particular Finnish country. How do you think that person's going to feel about that when we're like, oh, yeah, because I'm sure you got this going on, right? And the, and the, the uh, wonderful Finnish gentleman, Marco, would, would say, no, actually, that's not how we see it. That's not how it works over here. Um, this is what's in our culture, and this is uh, what we believe in and stand behind, etc. Do you see my point? Is that um, maybe there's someone who's uh, on the outside as a non-American looking in, going, "Yeah, I, I, I wonder. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what is going on there." Because uh, there's probably no other way that they're going to get answers to that. Or let's say there's not, I shouldn't say answers because I'm not going to give you answers, but I'm going to give you a point of view that um, I can tell you a lot of people share that may be surprising to you, you know. So some questions like, uh, was the 2020 election stolen? You know, um, was it stolen? No, it wasn't stolen. But there's more stories behind it. And I'm not sure if you, on the outside looking in, uh, probably went a little further than listening to uh, some 
internal USA media bit on uh, all the, honestly, the, the, the stupid people that got behind that notion. It even happened in Arizona. What was there like really stupid shit that went on during the voting days here in Arizona? Yes. Does that cause like monstrosity of confusion so that some loudmouth uh, could like attach that and say, see, see, it's, it's the whole thing is fraudulent. Yes. Yeah. It still doesn't mean the, there was, there was votes actually stolen. It still doesn't mean that you can connect the dots, which they still haven't, you know, you still, still doesn't mean that, you know, uh, no, you know, no one wanted to, you didn't want to say that you talked down to a whole percentage of your audience, the McCain audience. Um, you know, anyways, so no, on a, on a full on, uh, this is 2022 midterms, but back to the, to the stolen piece, because that's where the 2022 midterms in Arizona concept of stolen came from. Um, no, it wasn't. But you also have to recognize if you're an outsider looking in, um, there are many, many people in the tens of millions that recognize that if you change that word from stolen to rigged, now you have a different conversation, right? So should those people who were, should Trump in that position have said it was stolen? And I don't even know if it was, I can't curtail words or go back and review it. No, he shouldn't have because those are incorrect choice of words. Uh, but if you use something a little softer than even rigged and explained it really carefully, you know, do you think there's an issue? And I think there was. So you could look at, uh, if you want to do your own reading and as an outsider, uh, I'm saying outsider now, you're not in America and you're interested in that. Uh, there were some Pennsylvania voting laws prior that went on that were, you know, conspicuous to say the least and possibly unconstitutional in some cases. Uh, there was over $400 million uh, dedicated to one party, not Trump's party, uh, prior to the 2020 election, ironically prior to it. Uh, from Facebook. Um, and um, this is the the darkest aspect of current, you know, modern times and the connection between big tech and media is the cover-up around what was found in Mr. Hunter Biden's laptop. So if you were a person who wanted to search harder and write books on it, which by the way, are tough to get published because small publishers don't even want to publish anything around that. That goes to show you the whole corrupt inside shit that goes on. Could you see if you added a few more things to that, there actually is a little bit of airtime that should be given to the concept of rigged. Yeah. Now in the end, was there still more votes for one side over the other? Yes, there was. Yes, there was. But don't be afraid to also ask, could there have been things that happened prior to this election, i.e., like the full-on knowledge of the dollars going from Facebook to the left side, uh, knowledge around what was uh, happening in Pennsylvania, knowledge around um, the Hunter Biden thing, you know, even if you had given it some airtime, right? Meaning like it wasn't, it wasn't closed down from Twitter and the New York Post fiasco, right? 
Maybe you could have given it some time. Maybe you could have meant something. Is the country systemically racist? You're an outsider asking that question. I could see why you may want to ask that question. I'll say vehemently, no, it's not. Um, you have to do a lot of reading to understand that, i.e., why is that? Why does that question come about specifically today? Um, why do you know um, proponents of some certain sides um, propose that it is? You know, like you know the anti-American, uh, anti-nuclear family group like Black Lives Matter, um, a, a, a you know. Qu- underground, you know, soft Marxism grouping, right? You can understand Um, when stuff happens, shit happens, right? You divide groups, you divide people, you say, here's black and here's white. You create a story, a legacy of a story with a historical, dark historical past, right? And then you start pumping it into younger minds, and then that younger mind seeps down. And those people that are listening to this also feel guilt based upon it. Oh, damn, no one wants to be called a racist, right? So are we, I, you know, you know you're, then you're saying, well, I'm not a racist, but is our country? Oh, yeah, yeah, our country system. So that's actually how it comes about. So is it a true statement, though, that the country is systemically racist? No, it is a false statement. And anyone who wants to make those mentions that you are on the outside listening in, that you hear that, you need to spend some time in the country. You need to spend some time in specific areas of the country where actually people that you would perceive to think that there's racism abound, they actually don't believe in it whatsoever. That it it is top down and I guess bottom up, because that would be include the system to be systemically racist. Is there racism that occurs in pockets? Yep, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna even clear. You know, throat clear for that particular answer. Um, because if I throat clear, then you're gonna get stuck in the weeds with regards to percentages, right? Are the percentages in the, you know, less than uh, one in single digits? So percentages of one in percentage points that happen. I would even think it's less than that of a of a percentage point of one, in which that happens in terms of not only just uh, stories and text and language and anything, but also what's out there in the public and what could be there for people. I don't think it's the case. Is the USA uh, less religious now? Uh, yeah, if we're, if we're going to take uh, even a, because I think the, m- the recent studies were kind of alarming from the mid-90s till 2023, I should say inside of polling, um, there is something to be said about doing a little bit more research into, into the questions that are being asked and the people who do the polls. Uh, cause I actually spent a, a lunchtime at the center of American institutions asking this question. And I thought that the polling statistics are a little questionable, but it is the case, you know, that there are, um, people that have far more diversity in beliefs that are not specifically allocated for what would be called religious belief now in America, as opposed to 30 years ago. So is it overall less religious? Is it overall having less belief? Yeah. Um, I'll give a little bit of touch on why that could be possibly the case without getting into, I think the really positive 
human enhancing argument and conversation around belief in general. There's a lot of great things to learn inside of that. But I think it's because of just this long road march outside of enlightenment. You know, and I think that since the enlightenment period and science and reason comes about, I think it just kind of seeps out and people ask more questions. You, you put that on a base support of the internet and technology and you're going to have, you know, that, that those scientific things, right. Of what we discover in the universe and what we discover in cosmology, what we discover in each cell, what we discover in genetics. You know, like I say, when you discover in the microscope and you discover in the telescope, it starts, it starts creating small cracks um, in belief. And I do think just over time with 330 to 340 million people, it should just make sense that that's going to be the case, but it's neither here nor there. So if you're on the outside looking and you got that, you're questioning that. Yes, we are a less religious people as a whole. And as I said, a conversation for another time, I personally think that's not a good thing, but it would take more conversation uh, for another time. Does America have a gun problem? Um, and you can imagine, I can only imagine you getting the, uh, the information coming to you from Tennessee or Las Vegas or Colorado or anything, watching the Columbine shootings, you know, hearing all the stats, hearing people who have no part to play, honestly, in most cases of that, hearing people who actually probably own and carry guns even make these conversations, you know? So yes, we have more guns uh, per capita than we have people. This doesn't mean now that, uh, remember that every person is walking around with a gun. That's one thing you need to know about that stats. If you actually look into, you know, uh, responsible, mentally stable gun carrying individuals, they generally own a lot more than one. Therefore, you can imagine if they're doing some detailing on that number based on the per capita, not every person has a gun. Do we have a gun problem though? We do not. We do not have a gun problem. And the reason why I would make that statement, again, for the outsider looking in to ask if we do, is I would ask you to do um, a travel period. And I would ask you to travel over here and, and go around the country and get in different pockets and get to talk to different people. Don't go to NRA and don't go to uh, California. Um, you need to, you need to move around. Um, you need to have conversations with people who really understand, uh, something that is a right, that it is a right for that person to defend themselves against any form of tyranny. Um, in reading, I mean, it takes someone that's more technically wise than myself, but um, I spent a lot of time looking at the actual words of it. I actually have it right up next to my computer on my wall. Uh, the rights, Declaration of Independence, the Constitution. And under the Second Amendment, um, you have to see that, you know, whether you like it or not, the Constitu the Second Amendment is there. It's not a myth, as you may hear some idiot provocative MBA coaches say. It's not a myth. Um, it's there for a reason. And, you know, just think about this hundreds of years ago, 
um, we had people think about this, right? How, how will, how will the militia, which by the way, militia meant a gathering of people. So as an example, OPEX could be considered a militia 250 years ago, right? It's just a gathering of people because that's how we created those groups of people that would defend themselves against the government. Um, could there be some, you know, could there be some slight amendments that are put in place that could, uh, create a challenge to the language in the second amendment. Yeah, there could be, and there is, that goes on every day. That goes on in law every day. That goes on probably at the highest levels of courts every day that no one really wants to talk about, uh, but it's actually really good conversation, right? But the fact remains that you have a right as an American citizen. So with that in mind, just so you could see, you know, all you're probably going to hear if you're an outsider is that we need to, you know, do whatever it takes, a radical idea, do whatever it takes to squash that, right? Re, you'll hear things like rethink the Second Amendment, uh, defund the police, which could be just like a way of, a, you know, a reactionary moment around, you know, taking away guns. Um, we need to strip people like other countries have of all their guns, you know. Um, you know, and there are some middle road things, right, that should be taken into consideration. Uh, red flag laws are something that can be taken into consideration. Um, more conversations around accessibility, right, Accessi meaning accessibility to how those uh, firearms are going to be purchased. When you actually speak to a number of people in high percentages who are gun owners, they'll say, yeah, we don't mind having a conversation around how I can still get access to getting guns, right, for my usage as to what I want it for, either for protection or hunting or et cetera. Um, they're more than welcome. It's just, you know, CNN is only going to show the bit of the 3% of those gun owners who are, who are idiots, honestly, right? Who are idiots. Um, and nowhere are you going to hear a lot of stories around the individuals who are gun owners who saved other human beings in America based upon them carrying, who actually stepped in place prior to any uh, approach of police, or who actually defended themselves against not only the police, but someone else. So there's just not enough stories given to those. So to back up to your point, to the question that you may have, does the U.S. have, have a gun problem? No, we don't have a gun problem. We do have an ongoing conversation around what we're going to do about this for who, what, what is the, what is the capable, what is the cognitive capability of the person? And this is where it comes into one of the things I want to talk about in the end around free speech, right? Because uh, being able to say that someone has some cognitive capability issues and therefore they shouldn't have any access or ability. And then, of course, we have to dig out what access means and purchasing means. Um, that's being thwarted today. So that's an issue by all means. Uh, but, but don't, uh, if you're on the outside looking in, don't go there, you know, as an example of saying that what happened in Tennessee of those six lives and three nine-year-olds' lives that were taken, do not, as an outsider, uh, even slightly mention the fact that it's a gun problem. Shame on you for bringing that up. That's a conversation that has to be had with the parents of that school, the people uh, around that individual that had some 
cognitive issues and with the local state and county and governments there. That's their thing to discuss, not yours. So please don't add anything to it because you don't know and you have no right to have a conversation on it. Uh, based upon the Dobbs case, is abortion an issue here in the States? Well, it certainly is. I'm, I'm going to sing it. I'm going to change up my words. It's, it's, uh, is it an issue? Yeah. Yeah, it's an issue. It's, um, it's certainly a conversation, you know, the, uh, the issue that we fall into, uh, with regards to it is that I just listened to Alan Dershowitz discuss that in a good explanation of how the abortion laws and legalities are different for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's triangulated, right? Because we got to talk about the or, or we're considering a fetus and a mother and the state, right? It's triangulated, and it's not as something as simple in my mind, anyways, as gay marriage. Um, and he just used the gay marriage example as something that's pretty, pretty uh, tight, you know, in law. You know, uh, excuse my ignorance on if it's not tight in law with regards to freedoms and accessibilities and availability of gay marriages. Um, but in the abortion issue, it's state by state. So for those on the outside listening in, yeah, each particular state will have some regulations based upon what they decide in state for those things. Right. So remember, inside the state, those state uh, can get some recommendations from the Fed. Right. But uh, just as I'll remind you, we have, you know, three branches of government, the legislative branch, the executive branch and what's called the judicial branch, legislative, executive, and judicial branches. Judicial branches, that's where we have nine justices. They're nominated by the president, confirmed by a majority Senate vote. The executive, that's who carries out laws, right? That's the president, elected every four years. And legislative, that's where we have 100 senators, right, elected every six years. And we have 435, what are called House of Representatives. These are elected every two years. Um, and all these, all these individuals, uh, do have some bearing on what would be consoled, would be considered federal conversation, right? So you remember the Dobbs case handled at the Supreme Court level, that's the judicial branch. When it comes down to the states, that's why you're hearing, you know, um, I call it a very, you know, good conversation, right? It's, it's, it's got a lot of energy and a lot of heat inside, but it's a good conversation, meaning that, you know, there's a lot of people who see those particular state by state laws as being uh, incorrect in their eyes. They have, they have every right to think that, right? They have every right to think that, but for just to, you know, close this one up because it can get longer. If you're on the outside looking in, um, it, it, you know, to answer that question, is an abortion an issue there? Well, it depends upon your lens, right? Because it, it is state by state uh, where those rulings are different. And then, therefore, each state by state will have a different premise around what their beliefs are inside of that. Now, these people who run the state are elected officials by the people. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's, it's, it's unfair, but it's too easy to say, well, if you don't believe in those laws, there go some other state. Right, um, which actually is the truth, but it's it's uh, it's it's unfair to say that 
because a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to a different state uh, to make those decisions. This is outside of the whole, you know, specific conversation on abortion, which is not for our time or nor is it my responsibility to have a conversation on that. But on the outside looking in, yeah. Uh, was there really close to 7 million people coming over the southern border since 2020? Yes. Yes. Are they all, um, you know, bad people? No, they're not. Is there some bad people? Yeah, there's some. What's the percentages of those people? It's very few. But just think about it. If you're going to get 7 million people come over, um, you know, they're not all representative <laughs> of, uh, of a certain tone of individuals. And I'm just trying to speak this to a person who's who, who's not in the States, right? And I'm in Arizona. I'm in a southern state. And we have a quote-unquote leaky, open, whatever you want to call it, you know, border. Um, and that takes another conversation as well. But uh, those are facts. We do have that many and those amount of people that are coming over since 2020. And it is... Um, in some way, shape, or form, specifically in those lower locations, lower state locations, um, I'll allow you to make the decision as to what that does for the local economy, what that does for what's called low-skilled work, what that does for um, quote-unquote mechanical and geographical strain on those particular areas, right? I'll allow you to figure that out for yourself because I don't want to say it does or it does not. I'm not deflecting by saying that, but... Um, you do need to know that just in case you may hear, oh, we don't have a, you know, you may hear from Mayorkas or Biden if you're, I don't know, in Sweden somewhere uh, listening in. Uh, we got no problems at the border. You know, we do. We do have a problem. Problem being is we have 7 million people uh, that are coming through and there's a very small percentage of those people that are just not good people. That's it. You know, and there's, there's facts beyond what I mean by that, not good people. You can look at it all the time. I think they just, I don't know if it was over a 48-hour period. There was like 10,000 people that came across. It was like 35 of them or something that had, you know, drugs and arms and et cetera. But think about that, 35 out of 10,000. Even if I'm wrong on that, think of that number. Another thing you need to realize is that they're not all Mexicans. And I just say Mexican in the term that that would be, you know, someone living in Mexico as a resident who's coming over. No, they're from all over the place. This is another thing that we need to, you need to consider in the conversation. Uh, so is it a problem down there? Yeah, it is a problem. Do we have, you know, I guess in judgment, way too many people coming over? Yeah, we do. Way too many. Does that statement mean that I'm against that? No, you, you're forgetting my entire story, right? I'm well-versed on um, legal immigration and someone that could speak to checking off all the boxes correctly and legally. And yes, I do have the right to make that comment, regardless of how hard off people are in different areas that want to come to our country. I certainly understand why a lot of people want to come here, right? That's something that we do forget about, you know, even asking that question, why do so many people want to get in here, right? That gets lost in the conversation. Um, but there is some conversation in there on, you know, the possible military work that we could do against the Mexican cartels because they do have a part to play in a higher percentage of those people that are not only bad, but that are coming across. Because um, there are some benefits and money that moves around on that. But unless we kind of tackle, you know, the, 
fentanyl stuff and the drug wars and whatever, you know, unless we go directly at that in a different way, probably never going to make a whole lot of people happy. But we do need, I think, a better conversation with it. Um, and I guess we'll have to wait till the next person who's in charge in order to do that. Um, is, is Trump being hunted or witch hunted uh, more recently? Uh, yeah, yeah, he is. Um, now the, uh, the, uh, language that, uh, people are going to use for trying to find an indictment with the language of finding 11,000 votes in Georgia is, in my opinion, is not going to stand. I think if there's interpretation of the words, then it's not going to work in law. Um, you know, don't take it from me, but just do your reading and your research, right? There's a, there's a very, very high percentage of people who would say that this whole hunt against him for these indictments are pretty much just looking over check 33 to 34 checks and invoices and then trying to turn that into uh, an indictment. And there's a lot of people that are being kind. They're just holding off, but there's, you know, more and more as the days pile up, they're saying Alvin Bragg is just useless. What he's doing is useless. So to bring it back to the story, are they just trying to hunt to try to, you know, uh, what Alan Dershowitz would call get Trump? Yeah, they're scheming up a shit ton of things to try to do it. This doesn't mean that uh, Trump is not a bombastic, bravado-ish, baboon, you know, bohemian, whatever, another B, you know, bold-headed, whatever, you know, he is, but, you know, you got to be a little better, a little bit better under law, right? So maybe some of these things, these indictments from Washington, D.C. or Florida will have a little bit more effort on it, but it's not, um, you know, and were, was, was there hunting, was there hunting and witch hunting happening previously? Again, that becomes confusing. It depends upon language, but I think it's a conversation that should happen in America from Americans, um, and I think you, if you're on the outside looking in, I think you should, you should uh, recognize that there's multiple angles of that. I'll just give you one, right? Collusion with Russia. Right? So was there collusion with Russia? Did Donald Trump have collude with Russia to help in his, uh, in his uh, presidency rise in 2016? The answer is no, but... If you change the word again, like from stolen to rigged, if you change the word from did Paul Manafort and Donald Trump Jr. get information from Russia prior to the 2016 election that said we've got some dirt on Clinton, etc., and what you do or do not do with that, could that have helped in the election? Do you see how it gets, you know, is that called collusion? I don't know. I don't know. But it does leave up this interpretation, right? Where, yes, there'll be two sides of the pie and both sides will write vehemently differently on the interpretation of what that means, right? And if you're on the outside looking in, I can guarantee you that if you're, you know, listen to a Rachel Maddow for years on years and you're on the outside looking in and she's your hero, then you probably think that he's the most disgusting human ever lived and the worst thing ever happened to America. You know, but again, I'll say that you didn't do your research, uh, that you didn't listen to both sides and that you're not inside. So if you're not inside, you probably should ask the people, 
as to what their view is on it. Um, we could go on and on with regards to that hunting, but in my opinion, just to tell the outside American, non-American about that story, yes. And there's actually lots of readings on this, um, which I don't always agree with the perspectives, but there's good readings on it. Um, Victor Davis Hanson wrote a book on, on it, uh, The Case for Trump. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, a Democratic liberal, wrote a book on it called Get Trump, about all this uh, trying to come up with ways. Um, and the reason why Alan is doing it so bravely is that he knows what should be there for law, like what is what is true for law and uh, what is right for law. And you'll show there's nothing there. Um, is there a rise in gender-affirming care uh, in America? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, are the percentages of that high and alarming? Yes, there is. Is the real thing inside of that a social contagion? Yes, it is. Um, is it a possible way to make a shit ton of money to medicalize and sterilize teens? Yes. Um, so is that truly happening in America? If you're an outsider looking in and maybe you're in uh, England or, in, or Denmark and you saw the shit that went on and the laws that be put in place to change that. Or maybe you're in Canada and you're a... Um, you know, a bright, open-minded individual, and you look at the uh, look around and go, "What the hell is this leading to?" You know. Yeah. Um, so inside of our walls and in our country, it is increasing. So you may hear some, you know, mostly right-sided, uh, conservative chatter on it being a problem, and sometimes it's not even from them, but the those who are on the left side of the argument are not going to say it's a big problem. But they do know it is one. It uh, it cuts into what I spoke earlier uh, about with regards to the, or just spoke to Carl earlier about it, of this concept uh, that I was taught uh, from a local politician or historian who's a politician, political historian, uh, around, you know, splitting the left and the right only on an axis of left to right, but also there's a horizontal axis and, uh, you know, and how that's seen. My whole point being is that if you're on the left side of that, or the, let's call it the left side of the aisle, and you're, you're a, a quote unquote, you know, front facing, you know, you want to virtue signal what you believe and you're on the left side, you're going to say that you believe in these things, that you think that you know, it's a big thing that there's not a lot of rights for 11-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds uh, to participate in this real soft language like gender-affirming care. What does gender-affirming care lead to? Or what is gender-affirming care? You know what gender-affirming care leads to? It leads to medicine. And do you know what medicine leads to? It leads to dependency. You know what dependency is inside of? It's inside of medicine. So when I say hardwares like medicalization and sterilization, yeah, but that's the end result. Oh, no, 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 it's not. We're just, you know, it's just affirming, you know, their gender. It's not just that. If it was just that, it would have stayed just that. But because medicine is now involved, yes, you, your, your hairs need to come up on your back. 
So if you're on the outside, you're outside of America, you're looking and you're saying, is that a problem in there? Yeah, it's a problem. It is a fucking big problem. Um, and let's just say we're, we're still dealing with it. We're trying to figure out how to deal with it. Um, is our people like uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, or LeBron James, uh, you know, heroes in the USN minds? No, they're not heroes. Not whatsoever. You know, there's, a, there's a monstrosity of individuals in America who just see these people as entertainers, simply as that. And that they don't recognize my language as being, you know, all sports heroes or entertainers, uh, then deep down they know that, right? No, they're just artists, performance artists. That's what they are. Just like Ilian Omar and Ibram X. Kendi, I could give you a list of them, right? They're not heroes in the USA mines. A lot of them are dolts. A lot of them are like really disgusting humans, honestly. Um, and so, no, we don't see them as a hero just because they may have a high standing and wear a, wear a vest, you know, um, or, you know, be in government. That doesn't mean anything. Just in case you're on the outside looking in thinking that these are our heroes. No, they're not. They're not our heroes whatsoever. Do they have a loud voice? Yeah, they do. That was one of the things I was going to discuss with regards to minorities. There's, is there a 3%? of the population that has a loud voice and that's effective? Yeah, with regards to race relations, by all means. With regards to the sex, you know, queer theory, gender relations, yeah, by all means, they're effective in their voice. You know? You know, you've heard me talk about 3% in the vitality model, right? There's 3% in the vitality model of those who be believers in that. Are they effective? No, we're not effective whatsoever. Doesn't make any move, doesn't make any stink, doesn't create any kind of change in movement. But does 3% you know, those minority voices who are really loud, you know, calling them, I guess, dirtier words, small R radical, small A activists, radical activists, are they effective? Yeah, they're really effective. You know, really effective at a lobbying level, at governmental levels, right? Really effective. So that ties back to like, who are our heroes over here? Just on the outside looking in, if you're on the outside and you're wondering, no, they're not our heroes. They're not. We see them as just just people, just dolts, entertainers, you know, someone to give us a pleasure on Friday night, you know, or listen to them on Twitter, be an anti-Semite. You know, it's like, ah, yeah, okay. You're just going to hate on a bunch of people. That's interesting. That's performative. They're not our heroes. More lighter note, do we think we're the best in the world at baseball and basketball? Yeah, we do. I'm saying we, of course, for any Americans listening in, it's like, oh, shame on him for saying we as if he's an American. Okay, you got me. Um, but we do. We do think we're the best at baseball. <laughs> so if you are some Americans, they get in, you're like, yeah, of course we are. Um, so, yeah, we do think we are. <laughs> um, is our country divided into two areas, left or right? Well, it goes back to my point I made earlier. So the answer to that is yes. There's three branches of government. There's a voting conversation. There's the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, kind of things that we have to abide by. Uh, but there is some divisions, right? And um, I've discussed it previously, but uh, there used to be a, just to give you an example, go back to the Reagan era into the Clinton area, era, and you would have a pretty uh, more clear understanding of liberal and conservative, okay? 
And then you have Barack Obama enter the picture. Um, and in, in my personal opinion, this is how my view is. Uh, I think that uh, he and his administration led to a host of cultural issues in the country. And so now we have this unturning. You combine that with internet and social media, you have this unturning realignment that's happening. Um, and you place culture in that, what I said, that horizontal axis between left and right. And yeah, you are going to have division. So our country is, I would say, divided into, into left or right front room, right? Like front room, meaning what you're going to say on social media and, and uh, what you're going to want a virtue signal. But then back room, I really do think back room that our country is more center right. And that's from my observations. Uh, now, you can understand if you are someone uh, on the left, not, you know, you know, and I apologize if you consider I'm calling it, you know, a, a less than or different other. No, I'm not, because um, I, I do appreciate the benefits of what the classic liberal left uh, could stand for and does stand for. Um, and there, it's not only two, right? Independents, libertarians fit in there. People fall into different buckets, but there is there is some division in our country, and it is left or right. But you got to see it's two axes. I hope that makes sense. Um, is there a fentanyl border crisis? Um, I'm going to say as a I'm, I'm unsure on that. I can sure shit tell you that there is some truth in the matter of the manufacturing of fentanyl in China or from part of, you know, parts from China, let's say, um, and manufacturing in the South that does get across our border, um, that has, you know, they found monstrosity amounts of it. I love that word monstrosity. They found, you know, huge amounts of it in different cases that could kill like millions and millions of people. Um, is that a crisis? I mean, I don't know. I think the, the deeper question inside of there is uh, what we as a country uh, are not willing to do what we're not willing to do with some of those things of uh, getting into the country, the drug issues, et cetera. So we've got a lot of work to do in that area. Um, has corporations in America generally gone woke and are basically marketing, uh, you know, or sorry, trying to make their activist shareholders happy? You know, yes. Yeah, huge, you know, um, you know, with uh, ESG and DEI and, and queer theory, you know, you combine all that stuff together um, and you get Bud Light and Nike and Dil Dylan Mulvaney. That's what you get, right? And so, but remember, this is capitalism. This is marketing. This is entertainment, you know? Um, but yeah, these are corporations, right? Uh, Amazon, Disney, I could, you know... Um, Amheiser Bush, <laughs> we could, we could go, I could go on and on down the list, right? Um, I don't want to pick on any, but you can just go looking in the fitness world to see those who are, who are woke, right? Um, just as a statement, I don't know if we'll change over time, but we are not, uh, OPEX will not, and we are not, and we will never be uh, in that camp. We will never kowtow. We'll never bow down. We will never bend our arms. Uh, based upon that. We will never, um, you know, be careful saying we will never, <laughs> uh, but we will never um, break that uh, in order to make money, quote unquote, for shareholders, 
by saying shit that's woke and that people want to hear, right? Um, otherwise, you get the Bud Light, Nike, sports bra situations, right? And just remember, money makes the world go round, right? Money makes the world go round, and we live in a um, quasi pseudo free marketist cap free market capital capitalism, you know, situation. So. Uh, is there a free speech, free speech issue here? Yeah, there's, you know, I'm not going to say it's up for grabs, but we got a lot more conversations since the advent of social media. And um, uh, I forget, I forget what the bill was that looked into, you know, what's said on platforms and the responsibility of that. And uh, the shit that went down with the FBI's connection to what what's happening in big tech and the government involvement in big tech and et cetera. It's just uh, so, yeah, it's a, it is a question today. We we're still asking what is free speech. It doesn't mean that it's up for grabs and that we, you know, we're losing sight of it. No, we have great companies, uh, fire F I R E and fair F A I R, you know, two that I'm a part of and members of that are working hard to, uh, you know, to go against that. As an example, you may, you have seen, uh, Riley Gaines be accosted and, you know, kind of mo- kind of pushed around at a conference where she wanted to talk about the right for women's sports and how, uh, in my belief, how uh, men are actually pushing this uh, idea to crush women's sports in multiple different ways. Uh, one of it is through uh, uh, queer theory. Another one is the Trojan horse of inclusion. Um, and uh, And you may have seen, you know, all the uh, all the hate that was thrown at her, and what you may have not have seen is these other groups that fight for Riley Gaines' uh, right to free speech, that are going to fight, you know, to legally have some ramifications to what happened there, right? So my whole point being is just to use that as one example. Is there an issue with that today? Yeah, there there is an issue, and we're still trying to figure it out. Um, and we'll, we'll work our way through it. We'll get there. I got a couple more to get through, and only a few more minutes. So. Is there a threat to democracy? Um, common question that I even hear within the lands here. I'll give you a quick answer to that. No, there's not. Is the 3% minority activists effective? Um, yeah, they are. Uh, remember, you know, just remember for most of this, is the, the politics, media, Hollywood, pro sports, academia are all in on it, and they're in it, and they're responsible for many of the things in culture. So if those are the case, right, politics, media, Hollywood, pro sports, academia, they're all in on it. If they are, then you can see how if a lot of them is to either make money in multiple different ways, like, you know, uh, is it, uh, you know, are most universities liberal leaning? Uh, Yes, it is. Are most universities preying on young people to get them hooked up into debt for 20 years of their life? Yes, right? Those things need to be in the same sentence. My whole point being is that back to the small amount of people who can be effective as a minority, yeah, right? Because if politics, media, Hollywood, pro sports, and academia get all in on one particular area and it works for that small percentage group, like you can see happening, right, with um, the issues that come about, which I find hilarious and they deserve everything that gets thrown up, but the NHL with the with uh, Pride Nights, right? And I'll make no comment as to what I, because I, I see it as entertainment, right? So it's entertainment to me. I don't see a hockey player as being uh, someone who's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that a, a kid should go to an arena and expect to learn how to be a great human, 
right? Or to how to handle themselves as a human. You don't go to the arena for that. You go to the arena to see people get sliced open, right? You go to the arena to see people get knocked out. You go to the arena to see a fight happen. You go to the arena uh, to see big hits, violence, right? I don't go there to learn how to be a fucking human, right? So do you see that if, you know, if you, if you want to get into that area where you're the NHL and you're pressuring uh, players to be like, hey, hey, we need to, we need to have this thing for 3% of the population because they think it's important as a conversation, right? If you're a hockey player, suck it up, right? You got to pay the price of admission, bro, right? For what you're a part of, which is an entire entertainment schema. That's what I meant by saying politics, media, Hollywood, pro sports, and academia. They're all in on it, right? They're all in on it. Um, is it expensive to buy a home here? Only got a few more minutes. Is it expensive to buy a home here in uh, in America and have three kids and a large life? Yeah, it is. It's very expensive and it's very challenging. It's a conversation for another time, but make no bones about it. Uh, the American dream is definitely it's definitely challenging for a host of young people for the future. Something to consider for another time. Uh, how do we see others outside of America? Well, I could say that, you know, the sentiment, depending upon what you see, you probably see the sentiment that we're very anti-American. Actually, that's not the case. You're just seeing that from BLM groups or, um, you know, individuals who, uh, who actually have a, you know, front room uh, and back room disgust for America. Um, that's not the case. There is a very, very large amount of Americans who love this country but how we see others is probably indicative of what's going on with the Ukraine-Russia war in our questioning that we have, right, with regards to our past and our involvement with wars and, and us being, because we used to be, you know, 80 years ago, seen as this, like, well, they'll come and help out in those times, right? But it's not the case anymore. So we're trying to figure out, well, how do we, quote, unquote, help and be that leader? But when it comes to uh, how do we see others, we really don't see others, that much yeah like um if you're thinking well others what do you think about megan and harry we don't give a shit about those people you you may think like because oprah says something or because you see them having you know a hundred fans screaming for them or you get you know a lot of people like a netflix documentary that's not a reflection of what america thinks about them we don't give a shit about those people we don't so i'm giving you the, the rundown on what you know, the true answers would be in some of those questions. Um, I should say, should I say true? Yeah, why not? I mean, that's what I think. And that's the case. So that's my cap. If you, uh, if you had any questions around uh, what do you think is actually happening here from a person who recognizes that you got to ask more questions from people on the outside before you get in there, that a person who's partaking in this becoming a part of the country as a citizen and trying to figure out what that means for me, and then also recognizing uh, the beauty around uh, this uh, life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness that we have here.